Are you serious? How? Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band, different artist, and um, we break down the record and everything like that, and we try to have a good time while we're doing it. Uh, while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, give us five stars and five stars only. All the social media is at Asinine Radio. Uh, what else we got? Discord. We have a Discord server. If you want to join that, let us know. We'll send you the link. And uh, we have a phone number. You can call, leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text. And uh, that phone number is 503, what is that fucking number? 503-893-5307. So get into that. And um, yeah, Jeff, I don't know. The Born intro is out of the way. So what the hell are we doing today? We are doing uh, Neil Young and his album After the Gold Rush. Neil Young began his musical career in 1963 in Winnipeg, Canada. He currently has 45 full-length records, two EPs, 12 live records, four soundtracks, and this does not include the bands he's been in and collaborated with. Uh, The album we're doing today is After the Gold Rush. It's Neil Young's third solo record, and it was released September 19, 1970, and it remains one of the most important, popular, and influential albums of all time. And that's not a bold statement because it's fucking true. So, Jeff, what are what is your uh, what <laughs> what is your origin story with uh, the Neil Youngs? Go. My my earliest origin stories is hearing people sing. I I I think it was it was probably Cinnamon Girl. I don't know. Didn't like it. I camp. I should say I camp. Didn't like it. Didn't care for it. Didn't pay attention to it. Um, fast forward to the first time I saw Dead Man with uh, Mr. Johnny Depp's and mm-hmm. Jeff Beck's. Not just Johnny Depp's. Because <laughs> they're, they're nominated for a fucking Academy Award, too. Right? Or what's it called? A Grammy. Tony? An Oscar? Grammy. Yeah, Grammy. The other one. There you go. The, the least important out of the four. A Golden Globe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, fast forward to the Dead Man out, or movie. I, I, I did, and I still do really, really enjoy that movie. And I like the soundtrack. And I liked the soundtrack when I first heard it, but never, never really cared that much. Neil Young was just this guy that people talked, that old people talked about, and never really cared. And uh, it wasn't until we started collecting the vinyls to where I really got into him, and I got a lot of his stuff for free. And luckily, I kept them, just because when I listened to them, I was like, "Oh, this is pretty damn good. I like this." But it really wasn't until like we both started kind of getting like really into it, where I really kind of like listened. Not, not like right. a rich history. I, I try to embellish it a little bit, but that's about <laughs> it. I mean, I, I'm with you. My my origin story, I think the only time I remember ever hearing his music was the Dead Man soundtrack, and that was through you because you had me watch the movie. And I thought the soundtrack was cool. I enjoyed it. Um, but it wasn't never enough to want me to go hear listen to a Neil Young record. 
And I don't remember ever hearing Neil Young prior to maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, when we first started collecting vinyl and started to like dove in headfirst into Neil Young's discography. Uh, but then once I heard some of his songs from this rec from After the Gold Rush, I realized, oh, fuck, I know like several, several of these songs. I know I've heard them, but I never made the connection that it was Neil Young. So really, honestly, yeah, my my thing with Neil Young is only I've only liked him for maybe a year and a half. So it's yeah. very, very new to me, but or to both of us, like you said. And ever since we, we got all of this this great vinyl I just I can't stop. I cannot stop. I listen to Neil Young at least two or three times a week. Like that's not even an exaggeration. I just some of his records are just beyond fucking bangers. Um, but I don't know. That that's my origin story. It's it's not it's not super interesting. It's not nostalgic whatsoever. It's so just very, very new. new. Yeah. yeah, very, very new. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, so that there you go. So let's uh let's kinda uh, we don't even need to do first impressions on this record. We could just jump in. Yeah, I mean, we don't. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. So, we do you have any stinkers? Mm-mm. I don't either. How many bangers do you have? I have all but two. All but two. Okay, I have eleven bangers. Um, okay. Well, there's eleven songs. It's fine. Well, there's eleven bangers. So, Whoa. so Whoa. let's jump into since we already played the song. Let's jump into the title track after the Gold Rush. Arguably, probably the most popular song on this record. I don't think you disagree with me on that. I think, uh, let's see. I think I think Notoriety, it may not be the po- most popular. I think Southern Man is also very popular oh, because yeah, that of his Notoriety. But, but After the Gold Rush is definitely probably like the, objectively, maybe the most popular. And that's yeah. my 1B. That's my biggest banger. Oh, okay. That's my 2B. It's my, my 2B. I, dude, give me a fucking good acoustic track, a good acoustic-driven track with some little the flourishes. I'll die. I'll melt. <laughs> acoustic it. being it's just him and a piano, not him and a, him and a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there's really two instru- instruments outside of his voice, just the... Uh, just that piano and then whatever that horn is is it it's a, it's not a trumpet it's a it's a flugelhorn flugelhorn yeah which is like a kind of not odd not an oddly shaped trumpet but just a trumpet with like a bigger a bigger uh cone right isn't that what it is yeah it's not but there's something called that thing is called something mm-hmm. i don't know but whatever it, the 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 i don't know i don't know what the fuck it's called not that um, i care either it's just fucking trumpet but I love how just how stripped down this voice is, but the, how stripped down the song is, but also how rich everything is. I, he, he can fill, he can fill so much space with so little. If that makes sense. This song, this is one of those songs that honestly, like, just, just has no right to be this good. It really yeah. just does not. His his vocals are so fucking cheesy, dude. They're silly. <laughs> the piano, like, that's cheesy as fuck too. Like, there's a lot of things about this that are just if you. If you put this on paper and said, "Here's what here's what I'm gonna write," and you start writing these things out, like it would be stupid. The high parts they're not even like on point. His vibrato is a little forced, kind of silly, mm-hmm. but like fuck me, man! If that just doesn't make a perfect song <laughs> in every goddamn way, every everything that I complained about, like if you were to take any one of those things out, this song would not be as good. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's shocking unbelievable. that that him singing as high as he does it's is not even just good. So- it's, it's not really, good. It's really not. But then it, it I don't, I, I can't even explain what's so good about it at the same time. I'm just like in trance. I cannot fucking not <laughs> listen to it. God, I love it so much. 
and it's such a simple melody too like it's not like we were saying on the the rankings episode it wasn't there's nothing that he does that's overly complicated he's just really good at doing i, I don't want to say one thing but i don't even know what i'm saying i i just i don't know he's he's truly something unique truly something special and that he could just take something so simple and just make it a million times better Dude, that, it's that flugelhorn horn drops. It is just unreal stuff. It's so it's quiet. so unexpected. It's it so doesn't unexpected even like overtake too. the piano or, or or fight for the front spot. It's calm. It just adds mm-hmm. a very deep complexity to the song. It is on fucking real. How great that flugelhorn is. Yeah, I, I agree. Totally agree. I, I don't know. I, I this song is this song is fucking beyond banger. I love this song so much. It is. It is my two B on this on this record. Um. But I mean, really, there's not too much to talk about musically on this one because it is so stripped down and it's just such a stupidly beautiful song. I I think that's how I'm going to describe a lot of his music on this episode as just fucking beautiful. This album entirely, he just has no fucking right to be this good either, honestly. Not at all. Not not at all. This cover art is is fucking forgettable at best. (laughs) I know. Like nothing about this album has any right to be this great. I know. You're totally right. The cover art is just it's the black and white photo that's super grainy and looks like shit with his his name and the album the album name at the very top but in like smaller print it's just it's, it's stupid different 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 versions different pressings have different color of that mine is like a gold color yeah, some have like green too. some have other colors too but um I don't know it's just very it's it's an incredibly forgettable cover art but because I'm so goddamn good but you know what that is. Absolutely. And that is just, God, man, like everything about this, again, on paper, man, everything about this album is just it's dumb. It's forgettable. It's stupid. It's not, <laughs> it has no right to be this good. It just does not. Yep. Doesn't. And so, I mean, what do you have lyrically on this song? Man, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool lyrics on this album. And and I think that because he has, he has shied away from, from dissecting his own lyrics, I think that that just lends to more more folklore about his already kind of folky stuff. But the this song this song is set up to kind of tell a story. There's the past, mm-hmm. present, future uh, of humanity. If you go through each verse, the first, the past talks of like simpler times, it reminisces on medieval times and romanticizes how happy and go lucky those people and those times were. The second mm-hmm. verse, the present has him laying down and 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 contemplating like current life. But he's not taking his current state of the world too seriously because he just kind of wants to get high. And he even points out that like a friend kind of tells him the truth or shows him the truth. And he just hopes that it's not true because he's mm-hmm. just not, not ready to hear it yet. And the, 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 the third verse deals with like the future, the future of humanity destroying itself, um, probably to be forced to like abandon Earth and set off into this like other planet or the sun, which is kind of what he sings about. But I think yeah. that's probably just a metaphorical um thing for just complete annihilation <laughs> yeah i think so I would too. think but it, but it's interesting to know it's interesting to know that the first and third verses are in like dream sequencing right because he says mm-hmm. i dream and so the second verse which is the present that's actual time that makes you think there's this this desperate plea to take action now rather than think about the future or wish we were in the past and i think that's pretty cool that's some, yeah, that is. That's some top notch. That's some top notch level writing right there. I think a lot of his stuff. Again, early twenties here. I think a lot of his writing 
he just did it because it sounded cool because it went with the melody and there's one song on here entirely that i think is completely worthless lyrically but it has a strong strong melody so the words are just there to supplement that <laughs> i so know I exactly what song you're talking about yeah it's, it's it's a b of course it's fucking so good but i think i think yeah. he writes things as like an early 20 year old would be just sound it sounds cool man but this mm-hmm. song this song literally is fucking rad i love this one yeah i i agree i i I wholeheartedly agree with your your breakdown of the lyrics. I think that, I think that's exactly what it is. And I mean, at this time, and even up until now, he is very much an environmentalist. He he believes that you know man is destroying you know the world and this and that deforestation, deforestation, the, all all the stuff that they were dealing with in the seventies. I mean, he wholeheartedly was behind or supported you know anti that. And he, and what's what's cool about Neil Young too, is that even though he is annoying, sometimes like outside of music, he's annoying sometimes. He he stands by it, and he's always stood by his convictions and and everything that he believed in. He's never really wavered. It seems like he'll just say stuff and just just not give a fuck who it, who it pisses off, and he just stands by it. He just stands by it for decades. I like that. I really, even though I don't agree with everything he says and does, I do respect that. Yeah. He's not a flip flopper. Definitely. But, um but yeah, no, after the gold rush, this is a this is just a beautiful, well made song lyrically. I think this is one of the better songs lyrically on this record. This I think it's the only one that really kind of tells a story outside of just straight up depression and heartbreak. This is one of my favorite songs lyrically. I think it is the best song lyrically. Um but there, there's there's some stuff on there's a lot of stuff on this album. That are no, there's some great stuff. Yeah, stuff that's nonsensical, but it's all good. Yeah. All right. So then, what is your? Oh, this is your one B. What what is your one B? Since you don't like uh, the popular songs because they're popular. only only love can break your heart. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> this are you song. Serious? You're a balladman now. <laughs> you don't like the song? That's my nine B. Are you serious? How? Can, can break, break your heart. heart, and then just that. Oh God, the, those notes that go back into it. Boom, 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 boom. It's just so basic. It's so fucking simple. Wow. Oh, I love this song. That's and crazy. this song, That's every insane. time I listen to this record, this song gets stuck in my head. It's the song's been stuck in my head all fucking day. I've been singing it all goddamn day. It's the catchiest song on the entire record. I love this one. It's so weirdly melancholy. But there's like still these like glimmers of hope in in the melody, in the melodies. I I just he just has a way of evoking so much so many crazy emotions. I, there's very few artists I could say that about, especially new artists, or not new artists, but new artists to me. It just there's something about him that just hits so close, and I don't get it. I also really love the background vocals during the chorus. I I think they're fucking solid. They're they're very kind of of it of the time too, like like kind of reminds me of Joe Cocker a little bit, you know how he in the he has, he has the big choruses with like the the bunch of people singing behind him and everything like that, like chorus girl not chorus girls, but like you know what I mean? I mean like they were doing with 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 Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young. I know, yeah. There's there's a lot of of that Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young thing in this album too. There's a lot of that harming. Which yeah, they definitely. tried so hard to do, and I just I don't. I mean, we did, they, but they Deja did Zoo it like, whatever. But 
But they did it so well because his voice is so goddamn high, but he's still able to harmonize perfectly, absolutely perfectly with everybody else. It None of it should ever make sense, but it does. He knows, I don't know what it is, how he does it, how he makes his voice that is so annoying sound so great with other people. It's that true. was like the like first you, thing I ever heard. I, I, <laughs> that was like the first thing I, I realized when I listened to Deja Vu that first time. I just, I couldn't believe how he was able to do that with his voice. Perfectly harmonized. Because it, it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's just one of those those artists that you look at him and without ever like thinking or knowing what he sounds like, if you were to to sort of visualize in your head what he sounds like, what his voice sounds like, this he would never, never expect that to come out of his mouth. No, not at all. He because he looks like such a like a rough looking guy. Like he he is an ugly man, and he yeah, just looks for like sure he's fucking. He ugly. looks like he's tough though. Like it looks like he fucking beat the shit out of you. He just looks like one of those guys. Yeah. But then he comes out with this like super high falsetto almost voice. It's wild, and man. Did you did you notice this, this song is like a waltz? It's in that that three four time. That dun, dun, is it. Dun, 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 dun. I didn't yeah. notice that, no. And it's fucking dope. I, I think it's super interesting. Like, why did he do that? Why did he choose to do that? Did he just match, like, the vocal melody in the only way he knew? Like, was it some sort of, like, subtle nod to the waltz actually kind of sort of dying out after the First World War? Like, why hmm. Why? Why is this Why is this the only song that, that, as far as I know, that he's done in this era that we listen to that is a waltz? That, that's, in, like, the three, four time. I didn't pick up on that, no. Fucking shit. bizarre. And I, I huh. do, but this song's fucking rad. I like it. I love the intro. I love those little, like, three counts. Dun, 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 and then we go in. Yeah. Love it. That's a straight, like, rock band that's, like, instead of, like, the one, two, three, four, boom, 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 let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I love that shit. Oh, my God. It's the it's the subtlety. It's the, the little things like that. He doesn't have to do much to be great. It's, it's remarkable. It's truly, truly remarkable. But, um... Lyrically on this one, supposedly this is a a song he wrote for Graham for um, Graham Nash. Graham Nash, I can't even think uh, for Graham Nash and and Joni and well, really for him because he just broke up with Joni Mitchell. So this is kind of like a song about being heartbroken, reminiscing about when he was younger and more innocent, and he just had he was more free, and then just getting his heart broken by a girl and and all that kind of shit. I don't think it's anything too deep, and it's kind of weird that he wrote a song for Graham Nash. I mean, these guys, especially like, a song wrote, that's personal. These guys wrote songs for everybody. Wrote a song for everyone. Uh, I guess so. CCR. Yeah, they, so. These guys were writing songs for everybody, and they, they were just friends and, and always probably getting high and shit and fucking around with each other. I, 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 I get it. And they were bandmates in Crosby, Stills, Nash, and his beef was mostly with with Stephen Stills. Which is crazy because, you know, they worked in Buffalo Springfield. They worked together in, in Crosby, Seals, Nash. And then they they did solo records together. Yeah. Like they constantly worked together but constantly hated each other. Up until like they, when was the last Crosby, Seals, Nash and Young tour? I think it was like 2006, 2009 yeah, or something like recent. that. So it's like, what the fuck, man? They, they're constantly fighting with each other. And we talked about that when we did Deja Vu. We just talked about how stupid the band is and how much unnecessary fighting there seems to be it is really just just neil young and, and steven stills because uh, even, even when we rank their like their solo albums like i liked i like graham nash's solo album i did but it's i mean it's insignificant compared to obviously this yeah. even St- steven stills his first album 
And they mean David Crosby's first album, but I, f- I forgot what my name was or something like that. I don't know yeah. what it was. But that was the better but, of the three for sure. But that had one. like Jerry Garcia. They had a bunch of like really well-known musicians from the Frisco area, the Bay mm-hmm. Area, I guess, in the, in the 70s. Um, but I, I don't know. It is it is silly. It's stupid. I mean, we don't have to play this song. This is your 9B. We don't have to get into that. This is your fa- You don't want to play your favorite song? We could. I don't know. It's your, uh, it's so okay. low for you. Whatever you want to do. Fuck it. You know what? I I will play it. Okay. I will play it's it because body. do whatever you want. I know it is. Mm. <laughs> so here's only love can break your heart from the Neil Youngs. Only love can break your heart from Neil Young. I can't believe you hate this song. That's fine. So then, what's your um, what's your two B then? Uh, tell me why. Tell me why. Ain't tell me why. <laughs> Every time I read it, I think the same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's my, my three B. Okay, that's my, my okay. three B. So, what do you got on this one? Uh, again, I, I like the way this this kickstarts the album. I, just those three notes: that doom, doom, doom. Then, simple, <laughs> effective. Reminds me of like Crosby, Stills, Nash stuffs. A lot of harms here. Um, yeah. I like his guitar playing. This is my favorite type of thing that he does. Simple chords accentuate like his voice, but he adds these little cool flourishes, those little like hammers. Those are cool. Those get mm-hmm. me. Super simple. Very um very folky, very country based. But his strum pattern is fucking dope, dude. I like when he hits the first chord harder and leaves a little space before and after he hits it to like really drive that home. So when he's like dropping into like a chord melody. And he goes like, whatever it is, mm-hmm. he hits that first one a little bit harder and lets it ring just a little bit long. I love that. It's so love fucking it. good. It's love so it. goddamn good. I love too that you know this is another really stripped down song. It's just him and a guitar, really, or that's all it is. Just him and a guitar, and he's just strumming along. It's a song where he he's perfectly in balance with his vocal his guitar is perfectly in balance with his vocals to where he's he's giving off the same sort of emotion with his strumming pattern and and not just the pattern but just how hard he's hitting the strings in comparison to his voice like everything is just so interconnected that he's he's so fucking goddamn good at that i I love it this is just a great it's not just him just playing these chords and strumming strumming normally there's a lot of feel to his play to his playing i just i love it and like I said, the backup, the backup vocals, the harmonizing is just unreal. It's a great opener. It's an absolutely great opener. I love this song, but I don't know, man. But I don't it know, sucks. Well, no, it doesn't. It's my three B. Tell me why. No, it's a good song. I love this. <laughs> I, th- I think I, I, I like, I like the lyrics too. I, I think it's about love, love loss, searching for love. Just, just wanting some type of in- intimacy. I also feel mm-hmm. like there's this push and pull within himself. Like the music changes a bit in that way, and you kind of hear it. Like there's a, a, a an inner turmoil almost. And I also think he's acknowledging he may not be like the easiest person to love. He's admitting he has faults. He's admitting that he's not perfect, and therefore, you know, kind of give him some time here. Yeah, but it's worth it. He's worth the wait. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I, I I think this is about him being a little bit depressed, being down, having the blues, um not and not having any motivation because of it. He just doesn't want to do anything and 
there's there's just one thing that can bring him out of that and is that it's that one that one person that one special person that when he sees he instantly just 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 feels better just seeing her seeing them whoever he's referring to but i I think it's just about being depressed it's just a straight depression song that's what i got on this i don't think it's anything too deep just a heartbreak love song kind of thing okay 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 that's good it's a really good song. I, I I love this one. So, fuck, we're kind of flying through this already, right? There's there's not there's not a lot here. There's really not. This is a very this is a very stripped down album. This album like really, what really makes or breaks this album is the melodies, and these melodies are like fucking Disney tunes. They're so goddamn catchy. Yeah. Like anybody that, that that listens to like like I just want to be king for the first time, right? That's like that's a fucking objectively <laughs> catchy tune. Like yeah. same with a lot of these songs. Like these are fucking so goddamn catchy. I know it's remarkable. Southern man, so, so Southern man's my my three B. Okay, do you want to jump into that or do you want to play? Tell me why. Oh, tell me why. Yeah, play. Tell me why. Whatever you want to do. I don't know. It's your pod. Yeah. So here's uh here's tell me why by uh, the Backstreet Boys. Tell me why from the Backstreet Boys. Just just kind of going back to his guitar playing when when that chorus comes in, the proper chorus comes in. You just hear him hitting those strings so fucking hard. Like it's just, it's like this battle between the vocals and the guitar to see which could be louder, and then once that once the 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 vocals kind of fade away, you hear him play softer and he plays the higher notes, but he plays them way way softer. He's not trying to like fight for the the supremacy of the guitar over the vocals. It's yeah, dude. He's just oh my god. And then now that I listen to it to it again, and you mentioned that that little that one note that he hits that rings out for like. Like not even a like just the super super short that rings out right there, it's such a nice nice touch, to right. transition into the next because that's that's the transition from the chorus to the verse, and it's just that one no, that one very very short note ring. God damn, dude, he's great. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Dude can write music. It's so everything he does is just so small and insignificant, but as a whole. <laughs> But as a whole, it just creates something amazing. It it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. That's a good <sighs> way to put it. Like everything he does really is just so bland, insignificant, who cares, run of the mill. Yeah. But if you listen to it, it's like the opposite. It's it's bigger. Better. It's just, yeah. It's it's crazy, man. It's totally crazy. Makes no sense how good he is, why he's so good. But um, anyway, yeah. Southern let's man, move on. Southern three, man, baby. That is three your three B. B. <laughs> this is such a good song. It's my four B. Southern it's, man. So we're like I mean, we're like literally we are identical except for the fact that you love only love can break your heart. Yeah, I don't know why you hate that song. That makes that's even dumber. It's, I mean, it's a good song. I like that song. <laughs> I but I mean I didn't realize until today when I was finalizing my notes, this album is very top heavy. Yes, like it's it's super super top heavy. Oh yeah, and and that's not to say the later songs are bad by any means. It's just, god damn, dude, it's just like banger after you're just getting slapped in the face with all these bangers. It's unreal, it's fucking unreal. Yeah, my <sighs> first okay song is 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 
Oh Lonesome Man or Oh Lonesome Me. And then mm-hmm. my my other okay song is I Believe in You. Oh, okay, that's my 11B. I Believe in You is my 11B. And then uh, Oh Lonesome Me is my 9B. So yeah, those are those are late ba- late bangers for me. Okay. All right, so so let's let's get into Southern Man. What do you love about this song? I like I like his more more pleading style vocals here. It it sounds like he's like pleading, like he's you know what I mean, like he's he's mm-hmm. he's very he's trying to tell you something, even though if he's not or he is, whatever. That's just what it sounds like from his vocals. His guitar tone, fucking rad here. It's the perfect amount of light distortion to give it a more aggressive feel, but yeah. the tone is down a bit. To allow for the chords to really be heard and felt, they're not they're not buried in distortion, which happens a lot with distortion. If you just overdrive it a little bit too much, you can't hear anything, and yeah. I like that. There's some serious like uh, there's some serious bass lines in this one too. We don't hear like a lot of a lot of great bass lines because whatever it's it's this is not a <laughs> a, a, a jam band. This is this is an acoustic album that some songs just happen to feature a band on. And I get that. I love that. That's fine. Um, his solos here, I love them. They're simple shits that, that just have like strong feeling and can really drive these songs forward. But like, like honestly remind me a lot of Fogarty soloing. They're simple, but crazy, crazy effective. They're based in blues, but they're just more sloppy. They're more gritty. They're more like a, yeah. like, like just, bringing it back to jam night here like like when when i i solo and jam night i'm not a good solo or nothing but i like certain notes i like the way certain notes sound with other notes whatever key we're in mm. and i'll let those ring out i'll just go wait 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 over and over and over because i like the way it sounds and this is my time i'm gonna do what the <laughs> fuck i want to do nobody else likes yeah. it if i can see people like kind of like wincing like oh that sounds kind of shit i don't give a fuck because i like it and that's what this <laughs> song has that's what this song has is solos that Neil Young likes. <laughs> I can imagine you doing that too, like just being annoying, hitting that one note, and just the stupid fucking shit-eating grin on your face when oh, you can tell everybody's like being it. annoyed. <laughs> and you're just enjoying annoying people. Yeah. I, so long as I'm having a good time, this, this is my <laughs> time. This is my time to shine. Whatever the fuck I want to do <laughs> is what's happening. And the song picks up at the end, towards the end, right? Like, and they fucking yeah. really shines here too. More great soloing. Doesn't need to be wanky, but like he's still, you still know that he's doing it, and it needs to be heard, but it's mm-hmm. not obnoxious. Yeah, he's never he's never a show offy kind of wanky guitar player at all. He never every every song I've ever heard by him, he never winks at all. Everything is is I don't want to even say perfectly placed, but everything is. It's just right. It just it's just right. It's sloppy, like you said, but it still it still fits real well. Um, and I and and his guitar tone, it's absolutely fucking killer. And this song, on on all, everything, honestly, I mean, everything from his acoustic guitar tone to his electric guitar, everything is just it just sounds so fucking awesome and so clean. Well, like his acoustic playing sounds so clean. His electric playing, it sounds clean in that you can hear every single note he hits. Like there's no there's he doesn't miss a note he doesn't he doesn't really fuck up it sounds sloppy but it doesn't it's not him fucking up it's more because about the feel not, rather than the technical aspect of it and 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 I I mean this in in the most like respectable way because I want to play like he does mm-hmm. I I I I don't like soloing that much because I don't know I I just I'm I'm never going to be good at it because I don't want to put the time in to be really good at it I just don't want to. 
But yeah. I want to be like Neil Young. And and what that means is is I want to be I want to be able to know the sound that I want and I want to be able to know like the root notes that I want to hit, but I don't want to be good enough because I'm not going to practice to to like really perfect it. And I think like uh he's kind of the same way. He he doesn't perfect any of his soloing. He doesn't really do like any kind of like uh like arpeggios. He doesn't kind of like really like wail on those high notes. There's very, very little, if any, harmonics that he ever does. There's some hammer-ons, but he never kind of goes like the... (laughs) Never does that shit. Because (laughs) I don't think he... No. um, Yes yes and no. Uh, Yes. Yes. Yes, because he doesn't need to. But I also think like no, because he knows that that's just not what he wants out of his music. Yeah, that's true. I, th- I, I think I, this guy. More I don't think like, that kind of guitar playing would even sound good in these kind of in these songs. Dude, this guy just has like this fucking grasp on his own capabilities that is just like he knows his fucking limitations better than than most, if almost like all musicians I've ever heard. Yeah, that's true. That's very very true. Like that pursuit of tone thing, like he mastered it already on this third album. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking second album really like mastered it already already done you're you're totally right i mean his tone sounded great on his second record but this one is where he you're right he perfected it he perfected his songs he perfected his tone he perfected everything on this that's why it's that's why i think this is his best record some of his best melodies everything on, is on here maybe not like the the darker tones like tonight's the night and and that kind of grittier sound but overall, this ha- this just has the best of every of everything he's ever done. Nothing could be better than this album by him. Okay, okay, okay. But okay, it's it's this is also what I think is interesting about this song is is also this is more of a piano driven song. It's not really guitar driven until you get into that bridge. But everything outside of that is is very much the piano. Um, it sounds almost like kind of cheesy seventies sounding. Like it kind of reminds me of, I don't want to say Boston, but like, like bad company or something like that. Like something that like the piano line, the piano, the piano sounds like something like bad company would have done in the, in the early seventies or or something like that. You know what? Does that make any sense? Yeah. It's not very, it it is typical. it's It's very typical, but that's because, that's because we heard everything else so much and have not heard this enough. Yeah, yeah I guess. You know so. what I mean? And like yeah. this is this is the same guy. This is Jack Nietzsche, who's the an old philosopher, I guess. But no, nah, this guy Jack <laughs> Nietzsche is is the piano player here, and and uh, it's fine. He he has some parts on this album that I was like, oh, that was pretty fucking rad, dude. You did a good job there. But yeah. then most of the time, and just he just he's he's filling space. <laughs> and it's crazy because you don't. Even if you take the piano out of this song, it still could have been a fucking banger of a song. Oh, yeah. You really could have taken it out. Maybe added like some guitar lines rather than the piano. But even if you just didn't do that, you just took out the piano, it could still be a killer, killer fucking song. And um, one thing I, I didn't really pick up on until today was during the verses, there's some really, really subtle, lower in the mix um, background woos, like harmonizing woos. And they're very brief. They don't go through the entire verse. It's Ooh. it's a very brief moment. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, why why even put that in there? But then 
when you really think about it, it's like that is the perfect perfect accent for the verse. Are these little yes. tiny woos that don't spread out through the entire verse? Just that one part. It once again, great fucking songwriting right there. Ah, it's the little things with him, man. The little things. And this was a guy and, like um, the the, yeah. the guy that that produced or helped produce that David Briggs had had has done so much with Neil Young, in in a way that like like he's just been there since. All the way up, all the way up until like like now, two thousand twenty-one. He's he's been producing stuff for Neil Young. So for so fucking long, <laughs> Neil Young and this guy David Briggs have been together. So what a what a gig! Like what a what a paycheck! You know, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> what what since, a consistent paycheck <laughs> since the early nineteen seventies, man. You're working with Neil Young, arguably one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Sold over a hundred million records. You know, God, and all you get, and all you do is sit in the studio and just like talk music with Neil Young. Just he, he calls <laughs> you every three or four insane. years, and <laughs> you know you're gonna get a little, uh, you know, a little thirty, forty, five, fifty thousand dollar check plus some royalties probably, and oh, call more it than, a day. Dude, you're gonna with Neil Young, you're gonna get way more than that. <laughs> call Jesus that Christ, day. man! <laughs> what a gig! What a fucking gig! Oh boy! Oh, and and one last thing before we wrap up, Southern Man, musically at least, this is this song. He really kind of strains his voice, and I like that a lot. Like he, he sings in a little bit lower of a register during certain parts of the song, but he really kind of, really kind of croons and strains it, and and I I think that it just sounds. He makes it sound so good. It doesn't sound forced. It just sounds very natural, and it sounds fucking awesome. So I wanted to throw that one out there as well. Southern Man. <laughs> Alright, should we play the song Jump in, and then jump into the lyrics? Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff Written for this one too So, okay, so here's, here's a bit of Southern Man Then we'll get into the lyrics By uh, the Neil Youngs There it is A little bit of Southern Man From the Neil Youngs So what do you got What do you got lyrically on this one? <laughs> Uh, do you want to do the Skinner beef or do you want to do like lyrics? I was just having a good time. I'm listening to the song. This song's so good. <laughs> it's fucking great, man. Well, let's get into the Skinner beef. So the Skinner beef was uh, was short lived because Skinner thought he was talking shit. He thought they were talking shit, but nobody's really talking shit. And so there was uh, there was a brief beef between them, and it was squashed because Skinner realized that it wasn't intentional. And uh, mm-hmm. Neil Young wasn't really talking shit. Neil Young kind of like realized, like, yeah, dude, my lyrics can be fucking interpreted as that, and I can sound pretty condescending sometimes. <laughs> and like that was it. Like that was fucking it. It was nothing more than that. And they moved on. And both both groups covered each other's songs and wore T-shirts and just had a good time. But it has now been like this thing of 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 a, a point of topic that we, I feel we need to talk about for for history for historical accuracy i guess yeah should have okay. been brought up but like really it was it was nothing yeah because it, really it went nothing. nowhere i mean it, they probably fought nothing. for like a month or they had it be for like a month <laughs> it probably wasn't even like anything at all i don't know not at all yeah but it's interesting um so lyrically mm-hmm. lyrically dude racism in the south of america for all of our chilean listeners <laughs> racism in the south there's a lot of uh, really great lines here that serve as as aggressive attacks on racism in the South, mm-hmm. as well as paint these pretty vivid pictures through his lyrics that kind of like put you in this place. 
it's fun. I like it. I like it. I like I like the way he's writing. And uh, I mean, we, I'd go on for fucking days about about coming off of of the sixties because the sixties, as as far as like racism is concerned, I mean, good God, good fucking God, this yeah. So many things happened in the sixties that were that were pertinent to the to the civil rights movement. People people were adults in the sixties that are alive today that like kind of witnessed these things, such as Neil Young. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, so like the the second verse I th- itself, I think, is a very aggressive attack on inter interracial relations, and like, don't forget that until the late sixties, the late fucking sixties, mm-hmm. that was when when a law was enacted to to forbid laws that forbade inter interracial marriage. So there were still states that for forbade is forbade a word forbid they forbid. Oh, forbid, I think forbids a word, but in this context, I forbid you to forbid. go outside. But what if I forbidden you to go outside two weeks ago? Is it still I forbidden you? I, I had forbid? forbid you. I had forbid you to go outside. Fucking dumb. It's so stupid. I feel like every week there's there's <laughs> a new a new word that we don't know how to properly conjugate in the tenses. Well, normally I, I know how to do morons. it. You just don't. You so don't know anything. You. You're the worst. You're the worstest. <laughs> the worst is, <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 crazy. I, I I love these lyrics because it's a sharp reminder of just how shitty the sixties were. Right, this whole counterculture yeah. movement is usually portrayed as being this great new renaissance of a of a younger generation coming together and changing things. And and yeah, like things definitely changed for the better in the sixties. But like, it was still a pretty shitty place to live in, especially if you were a woman or if you were not white. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's not forget that. And like again, the hippie movement. I've 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 come to like really, really not like the hippie movement entirely. Oh, it's terrible. It's just it's just fucking stupid. I just I can't stand the way it's portrayed in like the media. And that's that's something that I've I've come to terms with. I've learned in the past several years, even just since we've been more into the vinyls and stuff, and like digging up old records. That's just something I've like. Wow, man, the hippie movement is just a bunch of spoiled brats. (laughs) <laughs> complaining about shit they actually don't care about. That's cool. Yep. 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 Like, yep. I don't know. But yeah, Wait, that, what that's I, what that's what Southern Man's kind of about. I think what I, what I like about this song is that you know the first verse and the chorus is from the perspective of you know uh, I don't know an African African American person seeing you know the how white people of the time were were taking advantage of the other of of people that they thought were less less than them, um, and then the 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 second verse, the last verse is the perspective of that white person seeing, you know, his daughter or somebody he knows a white girl with a black guy and just how he's going to pretty much cut him. He says, he says, swear by God, I'm going to cut him down. I heard screaming and bullets cracking. How long, how long? That's pretty brutal. I think there's pretty brutal. (laughs) There's definitely like no better way than to bring to light something that is so, so egregiously bad or wrong than to to say it out loud, right? Like yeah. like 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 when he actually says, like you're you know, I've seen your black man coming round, swore by God I'm gonna cut him down. Like that's so fucking aggressive. That's like it so is. wrong. It just feels weird even coming out of my mouth. It it's does, so right? bad. But I think there's no better way than to like, hey, here's what you're doing. And then when you say it, it's like wow, that that is pretty fucked up. 
It really that's is. what we do to that. That's what I do to my kids. So here's what you did. Here is how it made me feel. And then I, I say what it made me feel and they go like, wow, that's fucked up. I'm sorry. So there's like, that's, that's just a good like learning way a learning mm-hmm. thing. And this is 1970. So like my final, my, my closing arguments here, I'm going to claim that this is one of the best albums of the 60s. So this is kind of going in long. Wait, so we're wrapping this up already? No, not yet. I'm just, I'm foreshadowing. Oh, okay, I was going to say, okay. I'm foreshadowing. I'm all foreshadowing. Right. I will forebode, forebode, forbade, forbid. All these words I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, forebode and forbid are so are just they, not even related to one another. Forebode is like a, a foreshadowing, right? Is that what forebode is? Foreboding is like a, like a. It's foreshadowing of like a negative event. Like it's it's a. Like the the darkness, the the storm clouds are very foreboding. I think I think that's the right way to to, to use it. Okay, okay. <laughs> now, I, now I'm looking. At <laughs> no, you you're you're the bestest uh, fucking uh, <laughs> lyricist here. Yeah, so it's 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 acting as a warning of something something else. The rain clouds bad. foreboding. It's like they, an they look very, the, the rain the rain clouds the storm clouds look very foreboding. Like it's it's predicting like a bad event that's going to be happening. Gotcha. Yeah, there you go. That, that's what that's what that means. I mean, I knew well, what it means, but it just it's it's hard to sometimes, you know. I feel there's it. a difference. Like if I read it in a paragraph or in context, I I know what it means, but I can't explain what it means. Southern man, what, or or no, yeah. What, what do we Southern have anything else on this one? No, that's it. Okay, so let's move on. What is your? This is your three B, right? Yeah. What's your four B? Do you, did you not? Oh, that was. This was my 4B. Oh, that's right, because we're in line except for. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Except for your, ball, your ballad, man. Ever since Alcohol <laughs> right uh, My 4B is Don't <laughs> Let It Bring You Down. Don't okay. Let It Bring You Down. Don't Let It Bring You Down. That's a good one. It's my 6B. Does not like this song. That's fine, though. Okay. Well. I love this song. That's why every oh. song's a banger. <laughs> well, that's not true. What? Um. And you will come around. God, I love that part so good. <laughs> I, I love the, I love the contrast in his vocals and the music. Mm-hmm. They're very opposite of each other. Neil Young comes in hard. He comes in hard on this one. And then these like, like lower lower octave chords in the piano that are mm-hmm. super solid, but everything's like everything's kept on the low end, and Neil Young's higher. This is not his normal. Neil Young vocals are a little bit higher, and the music is a little bit lower. So again, it gives you that contrast. They're pulled apart. Fucking love that. I love that because it builds, it builds tension. It builds tension between what he's saying and how he's saying it. Yeah, even though what he's saying is like whatever. But I will say though, I mean, this is this is a really great song, but in the context of the entire record, the melody is still a little weak. Still a little weak. Yeah, this is not about the melody. The melody is, except for the you will come around part, which I love. You will come around. Love the way he says it. It's so good. But that's that's not that's not the focal point of the song. This is a song that is actually built to be a song. That is built to do something. There's cool bass parts in this one too. Mostly just like laying down those quarter notes over the half notes, right? The boom, 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 boom. But it lends to like the slow burn that we already kind of like got going on here. I love the instrumental breaks. They go somewhere. They serve a purpose. And I love the way he sings the later choruses in a different way. 
sometimes his vocals are a little more major sounding than the normal minor he's throwing out there. And the end of that, the end of the song is a very like upbeat chorus. And it's it like, is. Why, why did you just change that? Like, like, why did we just, I don't know what the key is, but like, why did we just go from an A minor song and now we're just doing like an A major? That's weird. I like that. <laughs> Fucking bizarre. <laughs> I, I do agree with you. I, I think this is one of the few songs where the bass shines a little bit more, uh, which is always cool. Uh, this is also a song that, because it doesn't, it lacks like the crazy great melodies from, you know, the first half of the album, it, it, the song is more about telling a story than anything else. Like the, like his cadence, the way he's singing is more like a storyteller, almost like more of a spoken word thing rather than a melodic song, even though it is very melodic. And I, I think that that was entirely intentional. Um, because I, I, I think that goes hand in hand with the lyrics. Cause I'll just jump into that real quick. I think the song is about being a junkie in the streets and oh. pretty much hitting rock bottom. Wow. Wow. That's what, that's what I get from this. Cause I mean, when you think about it, he's, he's always surrounded by junkies. I mean, look at Danny Witten, a close friend of his and crazy horse, you know, the guy was obviously at this time addicted to heroin. So he's seen people around him, you know, just destroying themselves, destroying their lives. And that's why this has a kind of a somber tone. And this is, this is also a, like a storytelling song. Like I was saying, this is him telling a story that a lot of people don't want to talk about, but he is talking about it. And I like that. So, See, I went with go. like a more, a more meta lyrical thing here. I think this is about, so first of all, I, I think a lot of the things in the song are just, are, are made to sound cool. And, and, and okay. he does a lot of that. Um, but I think this is about the passage of time. It's about the passage of time and how we can learn to accept and be comfortable with it. But there's hmm. there's a lot of stuff that like his young self probably just thought sounded dope, like the the castles burning, right? Because mm-hmm. like a castle would crumble if it was, whatever. Uh, but the the course itself leads me to believe this. It, it leads us to think that that his his castles burning are the eventual destruction of everything on earth, returning to the ground it came from, going back to normal, going back to just being non-existence on this earth. The turnaround part. Is like our ability to find someone or or to connect with somebody and share this journey to ultimately help bear the weight of the burden of this impending death and destruction. We all are going to die. And when he talks about find someone who's turning and you will come around, mm. God, that's that may be like my favorite line in the entire album. Find someone who's turning, right? Like literally turning their back, right? Looking toward to you. And you will come around, like yeah, you're gonna come around because that person is turning to you. It's 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 both metaphorical and it's both literal. But I I think I think that's what this, this this song is about. I think the song is about the passage of time and being okay with the fact that we are all going to die and being okay with the fact that we need to find somebody to just share this journey with. God, okay. I love that. Find someone who's turning, and you will come around. I fucking love that line so much. That may be my most favorite Neil Young line of, of any record. Really, you think you like it that? Find much? someone who's turning, and you will come around. I mean, it's a good line, but I, I oh man, I dude, I that's think it's so that memorable. Good. It's pretty <laughs> goddamn good. Okay, find that, someone who's fine. turning, and you will come around. I don't know. I got it. That's it. I I like your I like your 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 uh, interpretation of this. I, I do I th- I do like that a lot. But 
I'm still going to stand by mine. But that that's what makes this his music and music in general so great is that we can have these differing opinions. Um, Especially from a guy who never really comes out and says, oh, yeah, this is what this is about. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's very... He said his, he, he once said his fucking words are his lyrics are like thoughts. He said his lyrics are like are just thoughts that I had at the time. If we start dissecting them, they lose their meaning. It's like, <laughs> what does that even mean? But then, but then you know, on on the other side, he'll say, "I don't know why I wrote those lyrics. I I regret doing that. I regret writing that." It's like if they were that throw <laughs> if they were that throw throwaway, then why why do you care so much about them? So I don't know. I think he's full of shit. who knows all right do we have uh let's play a little bit of don't let it bring you down sound good let's do it don't let it bring you down from neil young there you go don't let it bring you down from neil young it's a great song it really is so good (laughs) all right then um let's jump into the next song 5B or your 4B, I guess. No, your My 5B. Four... Our 5B. No. My 5B. Yeah, what, what's your 5B? Cripple Creek Ferry. That song is so catchy. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my 7B. Okay. Okay. That's a that's a really good one. This is a song where I think it, it has one of the catchiest, the catchiest melodies on the entire record, but one of the dumbest, some of the dumbest lyrics on the entire record. This is um, this is like his his country folk song. This is just telling a story through constant melody. It's a little bluesy sometimes, but it's just a song just to kind of have fun. I, I love this melody, but that's that's what I like a lot of just like this land is your land, even though that means something. But that's a very like like melody driven song. It, it, that's a very folk thing to do is tell a story through melody, and that's what this is. And I like yeah. it, and it's fucking dope. And even like the lyrics are are a little bit goofy, a little bit silly. But I think this is kind of like an. Oh, it's so weird because he's fucking Canadian too. So I don't know. I know like literally nothing about Canadian history. So <laughs> when I say these things, it still boggles my mind that he's more. He he's more like like enriched in American culture than I am, and I'm from here. Um, but I, I I read this as like an ode to riverboat because remember like 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 uh, riverboat casinos when gambling started to shift from being a fun parlor game to being labeled as as a vice. Then laws mm-hmm. started like springing up, usually from like religious groups and things like that. But then like the railroads happened and, and kind of like circumnavigate all that stuff. But Riverboat casinos, right? Red Dead Redemption, all of these things. Like, Riverboat <laughs> casinos are. were a thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Riverboat <laughs> casinos were a thing because the fucking Mississippi River was unregulated. Like th- yeah. there were there were no laws on the Mississippi River, so you could put a casino on the fucking river so long as it wasn't attached to land. They could move about. I think this song kind of like, like is an ode to that. It's like, hey, remember those things? Yeah, that was a cool part of uh, history. And again, that was a cool part of American history. I don't know if other countries had it, if other continents had it. I don't know, but that's just what I uh, I read this this as from a Canadian-born musician. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think this is just a way to end the record on a on a positive not a positive well i guess a positive note with how upbeat and catchy it is because the entire record is just just really kind of a depressing record uh lyrically musically everything you know i think this is just a way to just end it on a happy note and that's it i don't think it's any deeper than that i think the riverboat casino thing i think that's it's probably something that he he was probably he probably enjoyed gambling 
you know so this is probably just like a fun she little does it. like a fun little thing for him i don't think there's anything deep about this and like you said i don't know anything about canadian history um so i don't know if this is a thing up in canada but i don't know you know a lot of water up there you know what i read uh today was i guess (laughs) donald trump was using a neil young song like in 2020 or something like that for one of his campaigns and then neil young like sent a cease and desist and i thought donald trump who who obviously is america first you know make america great again all that bullshit he uses a canadian song yeah which i thought was was a little you know i thought i just thought it was amusing to say that i i i mean i I don't want to get into the whole like political landscape of neil young because it's it's both it's both uh admirable and frustrating yes (laughs) um but like donald trump using a neil young song that 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 should have been just like a no-brainer like okay he's gonna have something to say about this bro like come on who whoever's on your cabinet that that told you this was a good idea is a fucking moron should be fired yeah, like like it's not even just that that he's Cana- that he's Canadian. It's the fact that no knowing Neil Young's history, why the fuck would he support Donald Trump? And he like even before that, he like wrote an open letter to Donald Trump like to like like get your shit together, like fuck off, really. That's what he really what he said in an open letter to him. And then they decide to use a Neil Young song, unless they did it just to piss him off. Which honestly, I would like that. Me. I would. I think that'd be fucking dope. I would. That'd like be pretty that. fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> Because we've now we've now entered like like politics is a game, sort of, mm-hmm. of 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 decade of our lives where where people treat politics as a fucking game, yeah, and that's that's super annoying. Like, oh, don't vote for this person because that's to vote for this person. It's not a fucking game, dude. Treat it as a game, and they treat it as a way to idolize these crooked assholes. That's what our yeah. society has come to. It's it's weird too because because when people when people idolize like athletes. You mm-hmm. get made fun of, like you, like they don't care about you. They're not gonna fucking pay your bill. Like, but nobody says that kind of shit about like politicians. When you, when people idolize politicians, yeah, unless it's Why? the politician that you don't align with. That's true. That's the only time. All right, yeah, we got it. We got to shy away from from politics. You know, <sighs> Cripple Creek Ferry. What? what? Uh, that was my five B. What is your five B? My five B is when you dance, I can really love. Okay. Okay. This is just like a faster song f- with the full band, good bass lines, cut through the mix, super, super nice. There's also a lot of swing on this song. The, the drummer really kicks it up um, on this song, really, I, out of every song on this record. He kind of shines on this one because of that swing, and uh, it gives the entire song a different feel from everything else. Uh, some good guitar leads. The guitar tone is obviously killer, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've- I think... I think musically this is better, not better than Neil Young's vocals, but they just they they shine a bit more than than normal. I've I've I have two takeaways from this song. One is uh, the piano. The piano has these slides that oh yeah all the way down the keys, <laughs> and I hate and it. They, I hate it. It's like but you, like nobody does that because it's a very like honky tonk saloon fucking shit, dude. Like this is it's so cheap. It's so it's, cheesy. But like I mean, we don't have a lot of music that has a lot of like really aggressive kind of honky tonk piano kind of going on. True. Let alone that slide. I fucking love a good piano slide. Whenever I touch a <laughs> piano, what's the first thing you? I don't know how often you're around a piano, but well, it, I get it. Do you ever touch a piano if there's a piano ready to be touched? 
Yeah, I, I do. I do. And do you slide in any way? Tickle the ivories a little bit, as some might yeah, say. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah. And the other part is uh, let me come over. Like that, let me come over. Let me, that part, love it. Love that shit. I love singing it along. And this one does have like a more, uh, like a more jammy feel to it. Like everyone kind of gets their own little riff to kind of go off of. I think the piano one is the one that really just shined, stood out to me because it's so cheesy, man. It is. But I love it. I love it. I remember when I was. You don't hear that shit anymore. I remember when I was a kid, we had a piano in our house. And uh, and yeah, I, every day I would walk down. Anytime I would walk by the piano, I would just put my finger on the on one key and just slide it all the way down, just because I could. Because it's just it sounds cool. I like it. Just it. No, it sounds fucking dumb. Oh, I love it. I think it sounds so dumb. <laughs> it's so it's so obnoxious. But I would just do that to annoy my family. Good stuff. Okay, okay. that was my seven B. That's fun. Okay, I mean, I, I lyrically on this one. I mean, we don't have to play this song. I, I don't care to play it. Lyrically, I don't. I'm not really sure what this song was about. Do, do you have Do you have something on this one? <laughs> I thought this was about with, about dancing with somebody you love. That's why I put. <laughs> I don't think it's. I think it's just. Yeah, I, I thought I it might have, no might have been about a girl that he loves, but that's it. But uh, I, I'm good to move on with this song. I, I, yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. So, what do you got for your six B? Uh, till the morning so, comes. This is this is the song. This okay. is the song. This is the song. Tyler, this yeah. is the song. Till the morning comes. Yeah, this is the song that uh, this this is a fucking banger of a song. It's it's just this reminded me of some sort of like the way it starts, like an old like French Renaissance ditty, like you're playing for the fucking king, and then it kind of like turns into something a little bit more rowdy, a little more raucous. It's just such an easy melody that builds on itself, builds really well. It reminds me of I don't know if like if you're familiar with Granddaddy, but that song, Walk Up the Side of the Mountain. I want to walk up the side of a mountain. I want to walk no. down the other side. That's the whole song. It's like six minutes of just that. But it builds. It just builds and builds and builds and builds. It's super dope. And that's what this song does. This song is just the same fucking thing. It's only like two minutes, but same fucking thing throughout the whole time. It just kind of builds on itself. Masterful. Love it. Again with the flugelhorn. Love it. But like lyrically, this is just a melody. This is a melody-driven song that, hey... We should put lyrics to this. What do you got? I don't know. How about this? <laughs> and that's it. So, I mean, yeah, there there's very few actual lyric, like different lyrics on it. It's just very repetitive. But I feel like in the context of this entire record, the the darkness and the the depression that he feels on on this on this album and loneliness, I feel like this song is kind of a threatening song. Like he's threatening whoever it is, saying, "I'm gonna give you till the morning comes." And the way I feel like the way he's singing it is kind of sarcastic and like, I'm, I'm going to give you till the morning comes until something bad happens. You know, you have this amount of time until something bad happens. I feel like he's just, he's reached his limit of just being over somebody and being pissed off at somebody that he, this is, this is a threatening song. And I feel like it goes well because this is one of the few happy songs on the record outside of the last one. Uh, this is the only, the only f- true upbeat, happy song. And I ju- it doesn't make sense unless, to me, it doesn't make sense unless you think of it as as a sarcastic thing and him actually threatening somebody. It's cool. It's a good song, but it's, it's a very song. simple. Minute and a half, I think. Minute forty. Yeah, super, super quick, super short, super catchy though. Do you think it was just like, oh, I have this really good melody, and then they started recording? It's like, I don't care anymore. It's a good melody. I don't want to write a song around this anymore. Absolutely. I mean, they just threw it off. I, I, <laughs> I don't want to call it laziness because 
it's not that Neil Young was lazy because clearly he's not fucking lazy. He's releasing an album every three years for the past mm-hmm. fifty years. It's not. It's not. It's not about being lazy. It's about being like, like, like picking and choosing your battles. I like this. I like this melody. I, I like what I'm doing here, but I don't feel like I need to write a song around it. Therefore, I'm just going to say this over and over and over and over. <laughs> uh, I think it's strategic. Strategery. St- strategery? Yeah. St- strategery. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So then let's, let's move on from this song. Should we kind of wrap it up? Or, I mean, we've yeah, talked about no, I'm, I'm ready. Song. I'm ready to jump in. I'm ready to jump in the, the final thoughts. Okay. Because, right? I mean. The, yeah, the rating, whatever it is. What do we call it? The rating? The, uh, the Yeah, the rating, yeah rating okay because there's only three songs we didn't talk about and that's, that's fine, fine. I, yeah that's fine they're my yeah. my 9 10 and 11 b so i'm totally one, fine with that. one of them is not a b for me so which right. one which actually one two it? of them are not b's i believe in you is not a b oh that's right and then oh yeah, lonesome me oh, is not a b you like oh lonesome me that's my 9 b that's a low b that one honestly was like like it's not a stinker by any means it, it never would be but damn, dude, that is my lowest of low B on this album. It's an interesting song because it's very harmonica heavy, which I don't really care for the harmonica. But it also has a very like country western vibe. Like you're watching an old western movie. This sounds like a song that would be in some 1950s western movie, it's like a John Wayne movie or some it's shit. Like that. Cover song of an old country artist. Is it really? No, it's not. Yeah, it's a, co- it's it? a cover. Oh, it's a it's a cover song by an old country artist named Don Gibson. Oh, it was shit. produced okay. by Chet Atkins, that version. Wait, what? This No, not this yeah. version, right? Or the original? No, the original version was produced by Chet Atkins. Oh, no shit. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's whatever. All right, well, whatever. Let's uh, let, let's wrap it up. Let's give our uh, final thoughts on the record. We're also going to rate the record uh, according to our world-famous three-point rating system, where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to, one is a bad album, but give it a shot, and zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. So... What do you got, Jeff? Go. I don't have a lot of history with Neil Young's, so I, it, it's hard for me to, to to like have nostalgia play a factor in this. So it's strictly just off of the past since we've been collecting the vinyls. Essentially, I I, I think that Neil Young has done something that love him or hate him. The only other artist that comes to mind is Bob Dylan, somebody that's that's been around for so fucking long that has written music from beginning to now that is still relevant either musically or, or socially. And Neil Young is just a guy that is just, God damn, the guy can write some fucking good melodies. And mm-hmm. I love Bob Dylan, as we know in this podcast, yeah, but Bob Dylan doesn't write a lot of really strong melodies like this. He writes a lot of good folk songs, but folk songs are, can, can his folk songs can be more, more story driven to a to mm-hmm. a tune, to a beat, to a to a to a chord progression, whereas Neil Young is more folk songs driven to a melody. I think that's like the big difference between the two, in my eyes now. Yeah, um, I will say this came out in 1970. It, it was it was recorded late 60s, probably written, you know, fucking. He, he's probably been writing music since like the mid 60s for this album, so. I will say that this is one of the most important albums of not only the 60s, but also the 70s. And you think like the biggest albums of the 60s, right, that came out, like like fucking uh, Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced, that came out in the 60s. A lot of Bob Dylan came out in the 60s. 
Pet mm-hmm. Sounds came out in the 60s. Sgt. Peppers came out in the 60s. Yeah. I think this is just as important. Not sonically, because it's not pushing the envelope in any way. But this is reminding us that, hey, dude, like the 60s are not all that great. Here is why. That's good songwriting. Now let's go to the 70s. This is a very important album to the 70s. This is a this is for sure a top 50 of both decades. Absolutely. And like this Ooh, is yeah. the 70s. What are some of the biggest albums of the 70s, right? We have Zeppelin coming Zeppelin, in. Zeppelin Sabbath. We have all of the all of the uh, the big 3 releasing albums from the the, the punk scene. Yeah. Uh Miles Davis is going into like the bitches brew territory. Pink mm-hmm. Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, The Stones are are really on their stride with with like Exile Main Street, Beggars, all of these things. Marvin Gaye did it, and that was recently the the top album of all time by the Rolling Stone. Was it Marvin Gaye? Really? Yeah, Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Yeah, Rolling Stone. I mean, it's, a good, their... it's a good record, but damn, yeah, dude, overrated not... for sure. Overrated yeah. for sure. Do you, do you have it on vinyl? Yeah, I do. I do too. Overrated for sure. Pay like two dollars for it. It's pretty damn. Big. It's like a beat up copy though. It plays through. Fine. I bought a beat up copy for fifteen dollars. That's a no, fucking. My you, you have what's going on? Or do you have let's get it on? I have what's going on. The one with his his face like looking upwards, or like uh, the one where oh, he's like dancing no. with the red hat. The red hat one, yeah. That let that that's let's get it on. That one okay, you can it, find a little bit cheaper. Yeah, that's the one I got for two bucks at White Rabbit long, long time ago. What's going on? Solid. That is nowhere near a top fucking album of all time. That silly boy talk. But but yeah. but the seventies were like like we're getting into more 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 long written songs more genre defining music more things that are just that are just like i don't know that was like the whole david bowie thing right like in the early 70s too, like like ziggy stardust that was all like the fucking 70s too there's more experimental stuff and Neil young is 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 doing things that are reminding us of the 60s but also still reminding us that music should be like singer songwriter stuff but then we just talked about it dude we just talked about how he's writing a melody and the lyrics don't fucking matter. So I, I think this album transcends just like one decade. I think this is one of the most important albums of the 60s and one of the most important albums of the 70s. I think this is yeah. fantastic. I think Neil Young can really do no wrong in the 70s. We talked about it before. The guy just, the guy just fucking owned the 70s. Just really owned the I fucking agree, yeah. 70s. Just had, had like a firm grasp on the goddamn 70s. Dude was like, Fucking, I don't know. Ken Griffey Jr. Up to bat <laughs> here. Barry Bonds. Just, just, just. Everybody feared him. Yeah, it's but like he was humble. Yeah, there are some records that are better than this, but as like a career total, like even looking at all the Zeppelin stuff from the seventies, all of it's great, but not all of it is as good as all of Neil Young stuff in the seventies. You know what I mean? Even with Sabbath, yeah. you know, later Ozzy stuff was great. But it wasn't anything compared to later Neil Young stuff from the seventies. It really wasn't. It, as as a whole, what Neil Young did in the seventies was was some of the best shit from that era. This for sure. Th- this album really transcends just being a a a period piece. It it, it it's not just like a a reminiscing album of of lovers and 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 relationships and being heartbroken. Even though it does that better than than any fucking album in the seventies I can think of on the top of my head for sure. Yeah. But but it's also like a like a like a reminder again, like I, I bring it up uh, several times, but it's, it's it's a good reminder that the sixties were not that great, man. The sixties were 
the sixties were rife with like racism and and and, and political strife. They, it was bad. It was, yeah. People yeah. thought they were going to get annihilated by Russia. Like there's, it's it's insane how the sixties were not what the Woodstock documentary on Netflix wants you to believe it was. Yeah, the way the way people romanticize the fifties and sixties is crazy to me. I mean. Yeah, when you, when you watch all these movies that make it so picture perfect, yeah, of course it looks amazing, it looks great, but when you really dive deep and see the racism, the you know, <laughs> just all the sexism, everything, you know, the 50s and 60s were rough. They were not a great time to to be alive unless you were a very exclusive people, you know, unless you're a white a white dude. Honestly. And, and, and Neil Young is 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 reminding us of that. And, yeah, uh, I yeah. mean, you can yeah. just fucking like Google, Google, you know, best records of the sixties and seventies, and and just count how many records that came out in that decade and the best of that aren't rock, and that aren't just like white people. And it's it's, and again, I don't think what's going on is the best album of all the time. That's silly boy no, talk. That's, that's not even that's the top crazy. twenty, thirty. Even <laughs> no, no. But um, I don't know, man. This this is a perfect album through and through. Even though I don't, I think two songs are just okay, and I could do without them. I think what this did for music, what this is doing for music, doing. whether you like it or not, doing, <laughs> doing. That's not like Donald Trump. Doing, <laughs> doing. What this is doing for music. Your boy Donald today, Trump. It's my boy, baby. Through <laughs> and through. A tattoo of Donald Trump on me. What this is doing for music is um, <laughs> is great. I, I I think Neil Young is is oft overlooked for sure in the guitar landscape. I think he's a severely underrated guitarist, soloist, I think so too. songwriter underrated, lyricist underrated. And thing about this guy is just absolutely underrated. I don't know why, I don't get it, but um, I don't know. It's a perfect album. It's three out of three for sure. Easy. Three out of three for you. All right. Easy. Damn man, I I agree with like pretty much everything he said. Um, I I think he's he's underrated in every sense. Maybe not lyrically so much. I I'm not huge on his lyrics i think what he believes in outside of music i i agree with him on some of it um i think he means well i think he goes about things you know a little too aggressively to where it makes him seem like kind of kooky but uh but no this record yeah i don't know why i'm talking about that it this this record after the gold rush <laughs> I guess he's kind of kooky <laughs> <laughs> he, he kind of <laughs> is though um but yeah, this after the gold rush, it's just unreal that this man can write these kind of songs. I mean, like I said, not not just the his vocal melodies, but the way he plays the guitar in conjunction with those with those vocal melodies, like it's it's all just one one beast. It's all one thing. Like we've talked about Bradley Knoll from Sublime. He he's he's very similar. You know, it's just like they're so intertwined with one another. You can't really take one out of the other because it just wouldn't sound right. He just knows how to perfectly blend it all, and uh, yeah, this this Neil Young man, this this guy man, this this unknown singer songwriter Neil Young, he deserves more credit. He really does. He really, really does. I know he does. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna go on. I'm gonna give it, this is a perfect three out of three. This is, that's yeah. just silly boy talk. Anybody that says that it's lower than that is, they're dumb dumbs. They're all dumb dumbs. They're dumb. That's dumb. It's three. It's a three out of three. Perfect album. Through and through. But uh, I don't know. Do we have anything else on this one? Or Neil that's, Young? that's all. All right. Well, I'm, thank you for all for listening. If you haven't listened to the rankings episode, go listen to the... We rank 12 of his records from the 70s. Go get into that. It's a good time. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all. 
Godmorgen. Are you serious? Wow. Fucking dumb. They're so stupid. I feel like every week there's there's a new a new word that we don't know how to properly conjugate in the tenses. Well, normally I, I know how to do morons. it. You just don't. You so don't know anything. You. You're the worst. You're the worstest. <laughs> I'm the worstest. <laughs>